Welcome to Weekly Neurosis. into Weekly Neurosis. I'm Nate. And my name's Ethan. And we are Weekly Neurosis. How you doing, Ethan? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing good, man. This is going to be a pretty fun episode. I hope so. Definitely an interesting one. Yeah. Just based on what we have kind of on the plate for this one. This is the graphic episode. I know we're not talking about like a graphic you see in a book. We're talking about like graphic violence because uh, it kind of fits with our movie and also our album of the week. The best kind of graphic. Yes, indeed. Not a graphic novel. A graphic no, no. punch to the face. Literally. So anyhow, again, this is the um, the graphic al- or album episode, and we're going to be reviewing the movie Hardcore Henry, uh, the brand new first-person action, first action film. Which I think we talked last time. It's not the first time that's been done. No, but Des- it's despite it being it's despite it claiming it's the first, first person ever, and not and not and not just that. It's not the first movie to be told from pers- first perspective because a lot of people are like, well, sure, you know, we had we've had movies where they're using cameras and all that stuff, but this one's actually from the dude's eyes as a perspective. This is not the first movie to do that, but that's. I don't know why I'm getting so adamant about it right now. No, well, they did. I, I saw a tweet from their Twitter account, the Hardcore Henry Twitter account, the temporary one, and they said it was the first ever first-person action. Okay, I guess action. That's film, probably but true. But that's and so there. It's kind of a. That's like when a comedy opens up in the box office, and it's the only comedy, and it comes in like fourth place in the box office. But the commercials are like the number one comedy in the United States. <laughs> it's not that, yeah. It's, it's just a little little caveat, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, and then our album of the uh, the week is Gore by the Deftones. Mm-hmm. Are you a big Deftones fan? Well, we can talk about that later. We talk, yeah, we'll we'll get to it. And our beer of the week is Inversion IPA from Deschutes Brewery. That's the one. It's an India Pale Ale, and the description is. Um, enter, if you will, all the glorious aromatic complexity of the hop. This big, bold IPA's intense multi-hop kick gets a subtle dose of restraint from select crystal and caramel malts for discriminating hop heads. Cool. And yeah, they are from Bend, Oregon. I actually like this brewery a lot. I had one of these the other uh, nights, and it was uh, pretty good from what I remember. Um, but I've had a lot of their other beers, and they're all really good. I like their porters. I oh, I can't remember the name. They're, they're porters. Fresh like... squeezed IPA too. I think that's one of theirs. Okay, sure, could be. But uh, yeah, I mean they're a great brewery, and I think they've kind of made a name for themselves 
I mean, around, at least where in our area, you see these beers on the shelf pretty much everywhere. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> what? Nothing. I was just, I just tried to pour my beer in front of the microphone. I thought, how funny would it be if I was just pouring it and it was just like spilling everywhere? That's like I always, I always sort of pour just over my laptop, mm-hmm. which is the worst of ideas. Yeah. Why are you taking that risk? Yeah. It's right there. It's easy. It's convenient. Yes, indeed. So the uh, definition of the word graphic, um, it is an adjective, and the actual definition um, is of relative, uh, of or relative to visual art, especially involving drawing, engraving, or lettering. But that's not the way we're using it. The way we're using it is the depiction of especially vivid, brutal, and realistic acts of violence in visual media, such as literature, film, television, and video games. So what does graphic mean to you? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess when I when I think of graphic, I mean, a lot of times in, when you see an MPAA rating, an R rating, especially with horror and action movies, I'm sure a Hardcore Henry has it where it'll say graphic violence, and that really comes out as being, you know, violent, probably pretty gory, unflinching, explicit, maybe hard to watch. It's really in your face, generally for an intense visceral reaction, not necessarily implied uh, when I think of something being graphic it's there for you to see not for you to imagine um so that's what i think what about you and it's kind of along the same line i think it's a level above violence i think if it's something is violent it's it's pretty average but if it's graphically violent that means that it's kind of this elevated level i think of really shocking movies like well hannibal um Cannibal Holocaust. Cannibal Holocaust. I could just Holocaust. sense that's what you were saying. Like that's that's not a very. I mean, it's no, an that's extreme. A, it, that, yeah, that's a very graphic. Yeah, movie. and and there's been other films. Uh, Martyrs. A lot in Martyrs. Yeah, I mean, even the Saw movies are are very graphic. Um, in the in the violence they depict. But yeah, that's kind of. I think it's it's just kind of a something extreme, very very extreme. Right. Um. I don't know. They still have the NC seventeen. Yeah, it still exists. Yeah, and it's not even necessarily just violence too. It can be other stuff. It can be sexual. Like speaking of NC seventeen, like there's been a couple movies released in the last next or last couple of years that got that rating because they showed a lot of you know adult things happening between consenting adults. And I know uh, Game of Thrones has been called graphic because it depicts rape and other. Oh yeah, really that's graphic horrible. on many fronts. Yeah, lots and lots of love gore in that. Um, so a real cheery, colorful episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we'll get into the movie and the album. I think we'll have some some cool and fun things to say about that. I do want to hear how this beer, I'm putting you on the spot, how does the beer fit the theme, or does it? It. I, I th- the reason I picked it is because inversion is like upside down, and in, in the movie Hardcore Henry, things are often flipped on its head. And, you know, it's like upside down, kind of flying every which way. And then for the album, I thought that the Deftones, um, in their scheme of uh, eight studio albums, this is kind of a different take for them. Okay. So I think it I think it somewhat fits. It, okay. Sure. What, Ethan? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool, man. No, I get but... it. No, you, got, you nailed it. Better than I would have done. Yeah. It's a tough one because I don't, I don't know that there's, I'm trying to think of. There's got to be like a Skull Crusher IPA or something. Or something like that. But that's no. that's another yeah. We'll just have to do if we ever get to to graphic two. Hmm, I don't know if we'd ever go there. Are we gonna do sequels to themes? That would be fun. We could yeah, we could. Yeah, kind of like the the Halloween one, two, three, four, and so on and so forth. Oh, 
That's not a bad idea. Yeah. That's something to explore off air. Off air. Not on. But um, onto our high-priority news items, um, I, you texted me, and I know my day stopped for a little bit, um, with the official trailer for Rogue One, a Star Wars uh, story, and it blew up. I think within the first hour, it got something like 250,000 views on YouTube. Um, but I know you had texted me. I know that's some pretty pretty exciting stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, this is a movie we've known about for a while, and... Uh... There's been a lot of speculation on when exactly we were going to see a trailer or some footage, and uh, I guess it sort of makes sense that The Force Awakens just came out on Blu-ray and everyone's kind of got their hands on it now, so they don't want any of the Star Wars hype to be dying, so they dropped it just a day or two after the Blu-ray came out, and yeah, I I mean, I I guess we could get into it, but I think the movie really looks great. Um, I mean, definitely in in the vein of the original trilogy, much like The Force Awakens was, and obviously this movie is a technically another prequel to the original trilogy as yep. it takes place before the original Star Wars film. And it's going to be really fun, really interesting to see how they flesh out some of the more familiar elements from the original trilogy, um, see where they go. It looks like instead of just relying, just like The Force Awakens, and this is something I appreciate, instead of just relying on the nostalgia factor, just, oh, you know, look at this, you know this, you know that. There's a little bit of that to, to rope you in, but really it looks like we're getting characters we haven't seen before mm-hmm. and we're going to explore their backgrounds and how they fit into a pre-established story. And that's to me the most exciting part of this. Well, I guess the question I have for you is, did you ever, I, I know I should say that I never thought they would expand the star Wars story this way. I don't think, and did you ever think they would? No, but yeah. I mean, no, as, as long as George Lucas was in control, um, cause he was, pretty outspoken about his movies and everything, you know, telling this story that needs to be told. And yeah, I'm sure there's some people who, who agree with him, but uh, I, I think that it's not necessary. A movie like this isn't necessary, but I don't think, I, I don't mean that in, in a negative way necessarily. I, I think that the, uh, this isn't going to change anybody's opinion of the original movie and, you know, the whole, the, the first Death Star, because that's ultimately what this movie is telling the story of. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I never thought it would have happened, but I'm sure glad we are because I think it, it can only get more and more rich. And again, instead of just saying, "Hey, remember this? This is super cool. Come see this movie," they're saying there was more going on in this time than we were ever able to show before. And I appreciate that they're doing it in a creative and artistic way. And I love the cast. We can talk about some of that amazing cast. The the, the director did Godzilla, the most recent version of Godzilla. So I think that's something to look forward to. So I just think there's a lot of great stuff here. It's going to expand upon an already amazing universe. Um, I, I don't know. It's I think if you're if you're into Star Wars, there's very few, <laughs> there's very little reason not to be pumped about this. Yeah, and I mean, I was I was sh- shocked when I first heard about the concept. I don't think that. Um, I, I, well, I think they'll do a good job with it because they seem to have grasped it. But in a lot of ways, I kind of think it's necessary with the the gap in between movies. You know, because I think sure. a lot of people are going to be just like dying with anticipation as our, our anticipation episode was about. So I think it, it functions pretty positively in that way, too. Sure. I, I think the only thing they need Disney needs to work on with this is how they advertise it. Because me being a pretty big Star Wars fan, I understand where this movie takes place. But I had talked to a number of people who were confused and they said, you know, where's Ray? Where's Finn? Oh, why is there another Death Star? And you have to remember this takes place before... Um, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, and uh, the way I've been explaining this movie's position to people is I've been telling them, 
go watch the original 1977 Star Wars, read the opening scrawl. That's what this movie is. The opening scrawl says the Rebellion had their first victory against the Empire where they got the plants of the Death Star and now Leia has them. That's the story of this movie. This is the, the group of rebels who got those plans, how they did it, who they are, everything. So okay. I wonder if they'll, if they'll succeed in the end. Who knows? <laughs> we... I know. We, yeah, lots of people know. But <laughs> no, I, and I, like I said, I think I, it was a big relief to see how they did the last movie. I, I, ongoing, I think they'll continue to grasp it. But really exciting. You mentioned it too. Really solid cast. Uh, Felicity Jones, Mads Mickelson, Alan Tudick, I think. Tudick, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, Donnie Yen, Ben Mendelsohn, and Forrest Whitaker, uh, amongst uh, a lot of others, scheduled for release on December 16th. 2016. Yes, I'm most excited for Ben Mendelsohn because I love that dude. He's good in everything he's in. I'm a big fan of the Netflix series Bloodline, and it looks, based on the couple images of him we got in the trailer, he's definitely a villain here. Yeah. So that's exciting. Kind of has that villain make like oh, yeah. makeup of a villain naturally. He's got the high cheekbones and the kind of sunken face. He's got the weird voice. I wonder how they'll use that in this movie. He's just kind of a creepy guy. I'm yeah. sure he's a wonderful human being, but yeah, and that's the th- I always wonder about that with vi- like villain characters. Like, do they uh, just walking around the street? Somebody comes up to them like, "You jerk!" Like, oh, probably. If I ever sucks. met the kid who played Joffrey, I'd be like, "Just, just get away just from me. Get away from me <laughs> right yeah, now." He'd be like, "You get away from me. I'm a I'm a superstar." No, he's not. He doesn't remember <laughs> anything else, but <laughs> he's in Batman Begins before he was in Game of Thrones. Ooh, yeah. They killed him off though. No, they didn't. Spoiler. Oh, spoiler. Jeez, man. <laughs> no. People, that's one of those things. If you haven't yeah, seen yeah, it by yeah, now. But um, then the, the other big thing that I had kind of TV related is American Idol is officially done. Uh, 15 seasons. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I was kind of, and this is something I, I think we can talk about in Album of the Week. I'll savor, savor that one. Sure. But uh, anyhow, once again, this is the uh, graphic episode. And coming up next, we're going to... Review the movie Hardcore Henry, again, the uh, brand-new first-person action film. Uh, We'll talk about that. And in the break, of course, you'll be hearing music from Gore by the Deftones. Uh, Weekly Neurosis, we'll be right back. That's the first like mid uh, section like introduction we've done. I like that. Do you to case, remind everybody who? They're... Yeah, in case they forgot. Okay, I'm Ethan, and I'm Nate. <laughs> okay, they just go back and forth. No, but any again, this is the graphic episode, and now it's time for our movie of the week. And this week, our movie is Hardcore Henry. Ethan, take it away. Okay, so the plot of this movie, um, 
a first person this is a first person action film from the eyes of henry who is resurrected from death with no memory he must discover discover his identity and save his wife from a warlord with a plan to bioengineer soldiers uh, this movie stars Charlotte copley danila kozlovsky Haley bennett and tim roth uh, hardcore henry was written and directed by Ilya Nashuler, music by Daria Charusha, and cinematography by Pasha Kapinos. <laughs> Vesvolovod oh, Kaptusin. Wow. Russian names. Um, I'm not going to keep naming Fedor Las? Yes. Uh, filming locations. It was filmed entirely in Russia, and I believe it just flat out takes place in Russia too, yep. right? Uh, and no, some notes about the film. Uh, it was shot almost entirely on the GoPro Hero 3 camera using a specialty-built rig worn like a mask also there was no specific actor that played henry the role was played the role was played by roughly 10 different cameramen and stuntmen nate stuntmen what did you think about this what were your thoughts going in what what did you think i i really i mean i have i had a really hard time once i got out of the movie first off adjusting back to reality but secondly trying to form an opinion about this movie it's it's literally, somebody asked me what you, on Facebook, I said that I was going to it, and one of my um, friends said, well, was it good? And I said that if you're looking f- to be entertained for 90 minutes and you just want nonstop action, this is a good film. But I just, I don't know. I really don't know. I, it's, I, I liked certain parts of it. it. It Basically, it reminded me, and I'm sure there's dozens of other video games that follow the same plot line of the Far Cry series. Sure. Like every single Far Cry series has the same exact plot elements and same exact kind of idea. And again, it's a first-person shooter video game. It, it just reminded me a lot of that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it is made for people who like video games. Yeah, specifically. Uh, I mean, it really is like a first-person video game. So, I mean, I, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um from a most part, from like a technical standpoint alone, this is really kind of an amazing movie. Yeah. To know that it was done relatively cheap. Um, because, yeah, I mean, the whole the whole first person thing, I was a little worried that it would wear thin after a while because um, it, it can be seen as sort of gimmicky. And, you know, and I think it does run a little bit long, even at 90 minutes where, you know, we kind of think we've seen it all, blah, blah, blah. Um, but for the most part, I really had fun with this. But oh, I did too. Yeah, yeah. D- you definitely need to be in the mood for action, and you should not think too hard about this movie. No, because it's it and it's it's nonstop. And there's I don't want to say there's not there's a storyline, but once again, the storyline is almost entirely told through violence, explosions, car chases, jumping off build like just nonstop. And there's little little tiny plot spots in between, but this movie, I have to say, it almost never puts the brakes on. There's like little tiny, very small segments in the storyline. Other than that, it's it's basically nonstop, you know, guns and yeah. fun. But yeah. I had a lot of fun watching this. Yeah, I mean, it's super violent and bloody. It fits our theme because it's like at at some points it's stunningly violent, but it's so interesting to watch to see. And wonder how they filmed some of this stuff and how much of it was practical, how much of it uh, was, you know, done visual uh, w- uh, with uh, computer, di- I'm sorry, digital effects, that kind of thing. Um, I even think this is probably even more graphic than Deadpool. Uh, or even a, the, the, the first movie I thought of when I walked out of the theater was Crank, 
and crank yeah. too. Yeah. Because it's so hyperactive. It's so crazy. It like we both had mentioned, it doesn't care much about being coherent. It gives you like the basics of a story. Certainly not enough for you to actually be emotionally invested in this movie, but. The, 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 the emphasis is elsewhere, and the movie never tries to trick you into thinking it's trying to be artful or some sort of higher level of, of filmmaking. I mean, I think it does some creative things, but it wears its intentions pretty clearly. Yeah, and they never they never make the movie serious. I mean, they, they do try to, and you, you mentioned it um, off air, they do have some what are attempted humorous points in the film, but... I, those didn't really register for me. I think this, like like you said, it, it wears its wears its meaning on a, kind of its sleeve in terms of of where they're trying to go. Yeah, and I think Charlotte Copley, who we, most people know from District Nine, he kind of plays kind of the most ridiculous character in the movie, and a lot of the humor comes from him. And I, you know, I can't speak for everybody. Obviously, I'm just one guy because uh, most of the people I was sitting around in the theater were laughing at everything he was saying. I didn't really laugh even once throughout the whole movie because I thought a lot of the humor was sort of telegraphed. It was too obvious. There were punchlines I saw coming a mile away. But, you know, that's totally subjective. I didn't really think this movie was that funny. So then the down points between action sequences, which there aren't very many in ter- uh, uh, scenes in terms of downtime between action sequences, kind of tried on me a little bit. But I, though, I, I, will, I will be honest, the whole movie I was like, what's going to happen here? Some things just flat out won't get answered because of the perspective and how it's all played out. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think the the biggest negative thing I can say about this movie outside of it being narratively sort of one note is that I think the movie shows it seems a little bit, even technically as amazing as the action looks. If you really pay attention, there's a lot of kind of awkward edits here and there where they clearly didn't have a budget to make a full, like, 10-minute long action sequence. So he'll be running down this alleyway and then all of a sudden it'll just cut and he's like in this road somewhere and clearly there's not the connecting pieces and every now and then something minor like that would happen that would sort of take me out of the movie or even some of the sound effects were repeated a lot these are kind of nitpicky things but they were things I noticed that took me out of the movie briefly yeah and there's one spot with um it's like a you can tell it's a cgi smoke that they created I think I know what you're talking about and it was bad like it it just you know and I, I try not to nitpick on cgi but I was like, come on. But then again, it's a low-budget film. I mean, they did this. Right. They, there's a, a quoted $10 million budget on this. That's only the cost that um, CG, CGY, I can't remember the name of the company that bought it. That's what they bought it for. So obviously they produced it for even less. No, and, and don't quote me on this, but I think this movie was even fan-funded. It was yeah, partially. Because for... I, know, I know one of these action sequences was made way longer before the rest of the movie was, and they sort of sold the rest of the movie based on one scene. Because I remember my brother showed me this one clip from this movie, I want to say like three years ago already. And I remember going like, that's pretty cool. And he said, it's going to be a whole movie. And it's always always been in the back of my mind. But to see it have progressed into this wide theatrical release, this super violent, kind of creative, ridiculous action movie, is it's pretty remarkable. Well, and this, this film was not supposed to reach... Re, re, not, I shouldn't say it wasn't supposed to, but it wasn't planned to reach theaters. It actually went to a festival, um, and I think there was a bidding war. I know Lionsgate Sep- I was... I think it was like September last year. Yeah, and Lionsgate was one of the companies that wanted to buy it, but they got outbid by this other company, and now it's... A national release, but um, I remember when we had talked about it off air. I don't remember if it was in studio or out, but um, you had said, "Oh, there's this movie, and you could watch it." You said like the first ten minutes of the film, 
if it was on like YouTube at one oh, point. I think it was the first. It was just one of the. I think it was one of the later scenes in the movie, to be honest. But. But yeah, but I think my my biggest negatives is that is that, from a just a film standpoint, in terms of a storyline and in terms of continuity, it does show its seams in that regard too. And that was the biggest negative for me in terms of just totally basically skipping over stuff, you know, and they did that at several different points. And also I, I had it too with the editing um, where it, it confuses you at certain points. But again, you're, you're, you're still into this like hundred mile per hour storyline. So yeah. And it would be something where if it were a different movie that wasn't being pretty in your face about the kind of movie it is, I would maybe be more critical of it, but the movie is just, it's so like, and it no, it's in your face. Like we had both said, it's just, it's crazy. It's just violence and action. It's mesmerizing. It's hypnotizing. Uh, and it pretty much sticks with that the whole movie, despite it being pretty shallow. So you don't really, if you're not expecting anything grand about it, you're probably mm-hmm. doing yourself a favor because this movie isn't trying to teach us any deeper lessons a about deeper humanity. meaning of life. No, no, no. This is just cool-ass action. If I was like 13 or 14, this would be the greatest film of all time for me, probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. So what would you rate this though if you had to go 1 to 10? Yeah, well, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Uh because again, I I I thought it was super exciting. I was just totally on board. I was thrilled. I think a lot of what they're doing with the first person stuff is amazing, but everything we had mentioned about some of the awkward editing moments and then the sort of one-note story. I mean, those are things I like in movies. So, I, while I did have a lot of fun with this, I have a hard time seeing myself necessarily wanting to watch it again unless I'm with like a huge group of people and we're all drinking beers and we're like, we gotta watch this crazy movie, dude. Yeah. So I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten. I really liked it. If you love action movies, it's a must see. Yeah. And my my rating was a five point seven. Okay. Um, because I thought it was a good film. I, I think I again, given this like the circumstance you just said, you know, beers and, and stuff blowing up. Um, that's what I'd give that. But I did think it just had a few too many issues technically, okay. but again, I, I think if if you're into action movies and you're looking to just be entertained for a 90-minute um, time period and you're not t- too easily offended. This movie is called Hardcore Henry, so yeah. if that itches any part of your psyche, I mean, let's be real. Go let's, see yeah. go see Hardcore Henry. Check it out. <laughs> Give it a shot. I thought it was a lot of fun. No, and I, I, had, a, I had a blast watching it, um, I think. And it's just... It's it's a video game in the form of a movie. I think this will continue to progress, and I think you'll, we'll start to see more fil- more and more films potentially, yeah, like this. But the go the the headset was really unique. I saw a picture of that online. See, I didn't. I was wondering that the whole time, and actually, until I read the description you typed up before, mm-hmm. I didn't know that this was filmed with a headset. I thought it was. Done some other way. I guess I had really no idea. So that's pretty interesting. I, you know, this would be kind of fun to see like a making of mm-hmm. documentary. Like if when this comes out on Blu-ray to see if there's any, you know, extended special edition and uh, not, uh, you know, an extended um, making of documentary where they really go into this because some of this, the action scenes and how small the budget was, how did they do some of this? this the people playing Henry must have been like these crazy parkour geniuses because they were... I mean, it's unbelievable. Some of it's un- like it was making my head spin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and and I, I said I kind of had to adjust to reality. When I got out of the theater, I was just like, like almost like as if my bell had been rung and I was just, 
Because it's it is it's head spinning, and I, I there's a lot of the action sequences too. I agree. I have no clue how they did that on that budget, but mm-hmm. crazy movie. So um, on to our um, our high priority news items. Uh, this I believe it was this week. Uh, the Warner Brothers CEO announced that uh, Ben Affleck's standalone Batman movie, which he'll star in and also direct, um, is officially a go. So I'm assuming it got green lighted. Um, it's going to be in production, um, which obviously, given the reviews to Batman versus Superman, it's not a controversial headline, but definitely a lot of discussion going on about it. Right, and I, I think he's doing one movie that's coming out either later this year or, or, or uh, 2017 before he does this. Um, but you know, and we, we talked about Batman versus Superman, and I and I was pretty mixed on it. Um, but again, to return to that discussion, it wasn't a deal breaker for me. I really am still interested to see what they do next. And knowing that Affleck, who has, for my money, a flawless record as a director, seeing that he's directing a Batman movie, I mean, that's, how could you not be excited for that? Right. I, I mean, that's so exciting. So, I, I mean, I'm pumped for this. I think it's a bold move, and I know that they're sort of scrambling to try to make up for some of the negative press that they might have gotten over Batman versus Superman, whether you think that's warranted or not, is it is what it is. Um, so I think this is awesome. And I know it's been rumored for a while that he wanted to do this, so to hear it confirmed is outstanding. Yeah, and I mean, I was excited about this, because like, like you said, his reputation and obviously, more importantly, track record as a director is phenomenal. So I, I'm, I'm very, very excited. I, I think he'll kind of carry on the gap that was left by by Christopher Nolan, if, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, really excited about that. And then um, this this week too, um, new trailers, the, the new hu- humorous uh, Suicide Squad uh, trailer came out. Yeah, and you know, ever, again, since Batman versus Superman was released, there's a lot of discussion about the future of uh, Warner Brothers DC films. And the, you know, the trailer for Suicide Squad had been out for a while. There's been rumors that they're refilming parts of this movie to be more humorous um, because of how Batman vs. Superman was received. Um, but regardless of all of those things, yeah, this new trailer came out. It's called like the Blitz trailer, and I think that's just because they use the song Blitzkrieg Bop in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's definitely way more light. It's lighter in tone. There's a lot more jokes, and you're, you're seeing some of the quirks of you know Harley Quinn and some of the other characters coming through, and they're really trying to show people like, this is going to be pretty cool. And actually, based on the trailer, it almost looks like th- that Suicide Squad is almost more of a direct sequel to Batman versus Superman than anything else because they flat out mentioned Superman and what he was and all this stuff, and you see Batman in the trailer and stuff. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and I think it is kind of a... a you had mentioned off air they did some reshoots. I don't know if that's the case, but yeah. the, the original trailer was like super serious. Like, I, I was like, oh, this is going to be, like, kind of a dark action-type film. But this one was kind of lighthearted and, and very, you know, I think I chuckled a little bit. But it just seemed much more uplifting um, as much as it could. But Sure. Yeah, yeah and it's, 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 I know a lot of people are saying, oh, well, they're just panicking because Batman versus Superman isn't making the money, blah, blah, blah. Whatever, whatever it is, I think that. Characters like Harley Quinn and the Joker, who we'll be seeing in Suicide Squad, you almost need humor to really make those characters come alive. Even if it's the darkest, most grim humor you can muster, it fits with those characters. So, and, and so yeah, regardless of what I thought about Batman versus Superman, which is very mixed, I'm pumped for this movie. I think it looks great. I think this new trailer is great. I love 
pretty much everybody in this movie. The director is a solid director. I'm pumped for it. I'm pumped. And I'm sure it'll do, I'm sure it'll do just fine. Massive budget though behind it, obviously kind of comes with the territory, but, um, and the newest Marvel trailer, Dr. Strange, which I haven't seen the trailer yet. You have. It came out real late last night. So if you didn't have time before we started today, just go watch it later. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so Marvel's clearly feeling though, well, our new movie is coming out in a couple of weeks, Captain America, Civil War, um, but to keep kind of in the headlines too, they just, they dropped their first te- teaser for Doctor Strange, which is their next major superhero film after Captain America. And he is, at least in the cinematic universe, not a character we've seen before. He's played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, Rachel McAdams is also in the film. Um, oh man, I, I can't remember any of the other names, but in Marvel fashion, it looks epic. It looks grand. It looks full of action. Uh, and I'm sure it'll be a pretty interesting movie to watch it, but it's cool to see now that DC finally has their movies dropping, we're seeing more of a direct back and forth between the two. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think we should kind of discuss that though, the future of the, the comic wars, you know, the DC Marvel kind of back and forth and back and forth. Cause they, now they literally are dropping one after the other, after the other, after the other, and almost intentionally with their release dates, kind of targeting those in between spots. I mean, I think there'll be like four major comic book movies at the yeah. end of this year, all things said and done. We had Deadpool, Batman v Superman, uh, Captain America Civil War, and by the end of the year, because Cap- I'm sorry, um, Doctor Strange comes out in November, that's four major, major comic book movies. Yeah. It's a big deal. And, and it's, it's interesting to talk about whether these movies will retain their appeal. I mean, they've certainly been popular for coming up on a decade now, mm-hmm. um, just about. I mean, it's been over a decade, really. Um, so, what do you what do you think is going to be in five years? Do you think we'll still see as many as we see now? Well, I don't know about that. I think the the current trend and the reason for that is that the like I don't know really how to describe it. Like standalone blockbuster seems to have kind of gone away, where there has to be some kind of name recognition behind what they're releasing and in order for it to be this grandiose thing, like everyone knows about Captain America, everyone knows about Iron Man, everyone knows, you know, and Star Wars. And these are these brand name releases. And you look at other uh, back in kind of back in film history, when we were kids, there were a lot of these like massive, you know, releases that were these original concepts. And maybe my thing is maybe that will redevelop, but I really think the superhero brand, thing will continue to live on because yeah it's it's not you know because i don't think it's here to stay because movies are trend-based and trends trends you know for a while i mean it's here to stay yeah for for a long time well these i mean they have uh, you know dc and marvel they have films scheduled out for yeah till the end of time almost well that's sort of my thing where these guys are sort of relying they got their money down on the i mean yeah marvel has movies really like i think literally until 2021 they have a schedule of movies to be released mm-hmm. subject to change you know as we're seeing with spider-man and all that stuff the new another new spider-man but yeah you know i agree i don't necessarily think that comic book movies will ever really go away at least in the next five to ten years but i sort of think like all genres everything's kind of ebb and wane a little bit and I, while I don't think we'll necessarily see comic book movies become a joke, um, because they didn't really even exist before 20 years ago, 
um, I'm sure we'll definitely see a new trend come in and, and they really are the big thing right now. And I think that's fine because I really enjoy the vast majority of these movies. I think they're exciting. I think it's fun. I think it's cool that these characters that were once the heroes of, you know, nerds and people who were maybe teased and maybe not the, the most popular of people in school. I mean, this is mainstream now and maybe that for some people that's disappointing, but I think it, it's, it really is interesting and it tells a lot about the people who are going to see movies. They like these superheroes. People are into science fiction. They're into fantasy. And I think that's super exciting as somebody who likes that stuff myself. Yeah, and I think for me it, it flipped, and this is kind of an odd correlation, but um, Under Armour released their Marvel Heroes collection, and it was like this huge, hugely popular line. And I was like, Under Armour is almost directly associated with like athletes and the strongest individuals and like they, that's what they go for you know that's their brand and here they're selling captain america superman batman shirts everybody's and into it and that's the thing it's it's a huge trend right now i think it's cool and and, and as long as they keep making movies that are good um I keep them coming. I yeah. mean, build on these worlds the best you can. And I know some people are sort of feeling the fatigue. And maybe when we get to box office numbers in a bit here, we can maybe kind of try to analyze what's going on with, you know, the current comic book release and what that may or may not say about comic book movies. But I personally, yeah, I agree. I don't think we're in a state of decline with comic book movies, but you can kind of see it coming. Especially, I think the biggest thorn in the side of this whole thing is they need to take a little bit more risks. And I think they tried that with Batman versus Superman, but didn't really stick with it. But I think Marvel really needs to think about like killing a major hero or doing something a little bit more outside of the box because that's what's going to grab people. Even if it's controversial, it'll get people talking. Yeah. And that's really what you need to keep things interesting. Well, they kind of, I think they need to take a, a page kind of out of TV's book. In terms of, if you look at like, you know, Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead, not going to spoil anything. When you do that, though, you create this huge amount of buzz, and also it's kind of a, it creates kind of a mystery of where they're going to take this. Mm-hmm. Whereas we we kind of have an idea of where these stories are going to go, you know, in the future. But I, you know, it's I think it's a trend that's going to be here to stay long term. I agree. I agree, sir. I agree, agree. Bomb, bomb. So now we'll do our uh, weekly segment by the numbers where we go over the top five grossing movies in the United States of America and also the occasional flops that do occur in these modern times. So I'll start it off with our, it was actually our movie of the week, a brand new debut this week, Hardcore Henry. Um, It netted a total of $5.1 million. That is its total gross. It is its first week. Um, Yeah. So I mean, it made half of its 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 purchase price yeah. back. Yeah. Because we don't really know what the actual budget of the movie is, and you know, number five isn't the best place to debut. But for all intent and purposes, this is a pretty small movie, and ultimately for a niche audience, I think. Yeah, I, and I think this this number is much more impressive than meets the eye in in terms of what they. I mean, they'll they'll make their money back. I would think. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, and, and this is going to be the kind of movie that becomes a cult hit. Mm-hmm. People are going to watch this movie forever and have fun with it. It's just that kind of movie. All right, so then the number four movie this week was My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, and that's its third week of release, so it's holding on. It's holding in there, and it made $6.4 million, so a total of 
uh, $46.8 million. So that's doing pretty well for pretty itself. Pretty well. And I think this kind of falls into that cult classic mm-hmm. category. I think we both have talked about we both want to see it too. Because I like the first one a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's a really funny, entertaining movie. And I want and this one looks fun too. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing. They must have done a good job with it, hopefully. Yeah. Um, the number three movie this week is Zootopia. It uh, grossed a total of fourteen point three million dollars bringing its total gross to an astonishing 296 million dollars in its sixth week charting so this movie has done exceptionally well yeah and uh i mean yeah it's been the kids movie you know and and those movies always stick around for a long time and we might see this slip off with the jungle book coming out but i still think this might hang on but i've heard nothing but great things about this too me too i've heard overwhelming overwhelmingly positive reviews so far Absolutely. All right. So then the number two movie falling from number one uh, in its, uh, what is it? It's third week? Mm-hmm. Third week is uh, Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, which made $23.3 million this weekend. So a domestic gross of $296 million uh, and a budget of 250 So I don't think this is quite making the massive numbers they were hoping. And even internationally, I don't think this is even going to crack a billion but I would be a fool to call it a flop. Uh, I do think maybe some of the mixed word of mouth has maybe held some people back. But like the discussion we just had, I don't think this necessarily shows that these movies are less popular. I just think this film in particular isn't quite satisfying people as much as they thought it might. Yeah. A lot of people are saying it's kind of a lightning rod. And I kind of think in a lot of ways it is. But Sure, yeah. Um, and number one this week is the movie The Boss from Universal Studios. This uh, grossed a total of $23.5 million in its very first week um, on a budget of $29 million. So this almost in its first week made its money back. Yep, that's Melissa McCarthy. She, her name alone, it's a box office draw. Yeah, yeah. So very strategically released, but she's she's popular. She's in uh, Ghostbusters too, isn't she? She is. Yeah. So she is indeed. That is by the numbers. Yeah, I think. Um, well, yeah, Batman. I think I think Batman versus Superman would have done a billion without the critical response that it that it got. See, and I don't think that's correct. I think, I don't think critical is right. I think just in general, the word of mouth from film goers maybe from the like the really hardcore dc fans they want to blame critics but i just think in general the the audience reaction for batman v superman was kind of lukewarm yeah there was really nothing about it where people were saying oh my god you have to go see this a lot of people were like "Eh," because i I work with a lot of people who aren't big film buffs and a lot of them went and saw it and said "Eh, it was just okay and that's to me a big flag that they're not going to recommend it to their friends because going back to our whole star wars discussion you need a movie to, to make over a billion dollars. You need a movie to really capture the general public's attention. And this movie was just short of that, I think. And maybe the critical reaction is part of it, but movies make... Transformers movies all get terrible reviews, and those always make over a billion worldwide. I mean, there's no... I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. It's the critics. I just think the movie's not as strong as they thought it would be. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was... I've grown more lukewarm to it. As as time's gone on. But anyhow, that has been our uh, movie section, and that was uh, Movie of the Week, and obviously by the numbers. Uh, when we come back, what we're going to do is review our album of the week, which is the new album Gore from the Deftones. Um, and again, you'll be hearing music from that album in the breaks. So again, Weekly Neurosis, we'll be right back. Album, the album of the week is up next. 
excited ethan i am see that now you can't sit back and relax you had to Damn say you. something i was so relaxed <laughs> so uh this week our artist is the deftones uh, and our album is gore uh this is the eighth studio album from the sacramento california band uh the album began coming together in early 2015 and the band started recording in february of 2015 uh band members said that in interviews that this was their most difficult recording process to date uh, that can mean a lot of different things uh, and the band did record the album uh, with bassist Sergio Vega using a six-string bass, helping the band achieve a new sound that they said this is a totally new album and concept. Um, so, Ethan, what did you think of Gore? I really loved this album. Okay. I'm a, I, I've, I was a pretty big Deftones fan up until the, when they released their self-titled album. Man, that might have been like over a decade ago. Anyways, I, I, I just, it's not that I've disliked any of their albums since then. Uh, Diamond Eyes, uh, I believe Saturday Night Wrist as well. Uh, I haven't disliked any of those albums. I just haven't been, like, as I used to be really super into Deftones. So when we, when you kind of threw this album at me, I was super jazzed because I haven't really sat down and listened to them before. And I kind of regret not getting into them. And I'm going to totally go back and listen to all of them because I really, I really, really like this album all the way through. I think they take the, it, it's, it's kind of an odd, they're kind of an odd band to talk about, right? Because they came out of that new metal genre in the, in the mid nineties when it's like Slipknot and Korn were really coming into their own. And while, you know, those bands are still around to this day as well. Deftones have evolved in really interesting ways. If they, and they've taken that sort of bass, new metal, heavy guitar, screaming ish vocals, and really have added on this particular album, Interesting ambient elements, interesting experimental elements, some cool new wave synthesizer keyboard elements kind of in the peripheries. I mean, just the same, just um, incredibly powerful and passionate vocals that I remember. Uh, it, it's just an album that I was kind of taken aback by because I was like, it's Deftones. I mean, they're, they're, they're a staple. They've been around for over 20 years. I really doubt they're going to release a bad album, but I, I was really surprised with how much I like this. And the more I listen to it, the more I like it. And I think as a band, they kind of have this uh, unique luxury of straddling several different genres of music at once, mm-hmm. and it's really it really is a unique sound. But having again listened to all all of their music uh, to date, I was amazed at how they had kind of morphed into this. You know, I think they they tend to kind of reassemble themselves for albums, and you know, for them to say in interviews, this is like the hardest recording process. I really think they put a lot of work into this album. And it it really came out on the back end. Um, I, I was I was 
very, very impressed by this album. Um, I thought it started a little bit strangely with the first song, but after that, I thought it just melded together. And kind of like our movie of the week, too, this album doesn't stop at any point. It doesn't stop to kind of pause for a moment and then move on. It's just click, 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 you know, one after the other, after the other, after the other, which I really liked. And I thought that elevated the album. Sure, I agree. Yeah, and, and it definitely moves from piece to piece real, real fast. And uh, they do, some of the songs will be more sludgy and metal riff based, and then they'll do some cool, I mean, there's a couple, there's one song on here, I believe it's called Phantom Bride, which is, it's sort of the most uh, traditional of the song in that there's really no effects put over the vocalists uh, singing at all. It's kind of straight up. It's more of a kind of a ballad in a way, but then it'll have other songs like Doomed User, which is one of my favorite songs, which is like, that. that's just like a straight up, I mean, sludge doom metal song with just this heavy guitar riff that just, uh, and man, I think Chino is the vocalist. I, the what what has always made the Deftones stand apart from other bands is the vocals. These, yeah, he's just got an amazing vocal style that goes from just kind of this odd whispering to like this screaming at the top of the lungs, and it, he can do so many different things so well. And it he does it all with just such passion. Even when he if he's barely talking into the microphone, you absolutely believe everything he's saying. And also lyrically, this is a strong album. As yeah, well. which is you don't get to say that that uh, that often. Um, within their genre but and the thing is that we're we haven't talked about yet is they've been doing this for 20 years yeah they've been a band for a really long time you see a lot of bands kind of go you know this wayward path but this is i i listened to this album and i i don't think you know any person who even has a slight familiarity with the deftones will say even without knowing anything about the album this is a deftones album but yet it's it's so different. It's it's got its own feel to it. I think the vocals are good. I even though the guitarist isn't like an over the top great guitarist, it still provides and kind of sets the mood as well, which I really liked. And also the the mixing was really solid on this album in terms of, you know, how they, you know, mesh the songs together, but also uh, the sound effects and things that they kind of tied in. Those tied in really nicely. Right, and that's kind of one of the weird things about listening to this album, and really a lot of uh, Deftones music in general, is that a lot of what they're doing in terms of songwriting and kind of hard rock metal stuff is there. It's not really on paper that much different from a lot of what a lot of other bands are doing, and really kind of the skeletons of some of these songs are something you could hear out of any band that'll come and go in any given year, and we'll never hear from them again, but. Yeah, they have this interesting edge, and, 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 and on this album, really, they they add all this ambient stuff, and they'll get real quiet, and there's a couple tracks, like I said before, with some cool keyboards laid over it, and that those airy vocals, there's just something about it that entices me back in, even though I don't think every thing on, like the songwriting on here for two or three of the songs is sort of just kind of in the middle. There's something about when I listen to this album that I instantly want to listen to it again. Mm-hmm. And I'm always dry. And that even goes back to when I first listened to the Deftones, when I first heard, you know, White Pony and Adrenaline. When I first heard those albums, and this album was no different, I thought to myself, well, that was pretty cool, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It was okay. But for some reason, I kept playing it and playing it. And then all of a sudden, these melodies are stuck in my head. And if you really, like, listen to this guy's vocal performances especially, they're so, like, powerful. You can really really lose yourself in this because there's so many layers to the music you can just hang out and because it's loud it's metal it's rock and roll but it's also there's just something else under under the covers that just is 
hypnotic. Yeah. And it, it also, too, I think a big part of it is, like I said before, even within a song, they'll straddle several different genres of music, which I don't think there's a lot of bands that can really pull that off mm-hmm. and pull it off well over the, the period of time they had. But re- I really like this album. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't wild about their previous stuff, and I will admit that did kind of tie into why I was interested in it because sure. I had heard you know, really good things about it, so I kind of wanted to check it out. But, yeah, I think this is a, if, you know, I don't know if their previous albums were a step in the wrong direction, but I think this was a, a definite step in the right direction. Did you have any, I hate to put you on the spot, I like to do this to you, do you have any favorite songs on here at all? Uh, well, I don't know. It, I mean, it meshes together. Mm-hmm. Well, it really does. Because, I mean, I have four specific songs that I, I already mentioned. Doom User, which was one of the heavier songs. Mm-hmm. Phantom Bride, which had a, an, a, probably my favorite melody on the album. Again, it's more of a simple emotional song. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like L-M-I-R-L. Which yeah, was that, more was, of, that was one of my favorites. My Really, when it comes down to it, if I had to pick out one song that, that stood out to me, it was the last song, Rubicon. Oh, sure. With the the reason that I liked it so much wasn't so much that it was like this wonderful song. It was the kind of song that if I, I guarantee you, I don't know, actually, because I don't know how they set up their set list, but it's like the song that would end a concert. And it was very much an ending, and sure. it, it just kind of had this finality to it of this is the end of the album. Sure, I, I yeah, I think a lot of the songs kind of has this grand element about them, even though really it's only four or five guys playing this this metal music. I think my favorite song on here was uh, the title track, Gore. Um, yeah. I really think it's just an epic song, and like you said, they do a really good job of even in individual songs exploring different ideas and stringing them together really well, and I just felt like that song, it was one of the, more, one of the heavier songs too, where uh, the the vocals are just unbelievably brutal, but it can restrain itself too. And if you really, if you're having trouble listening, like hearing the lyrics spoken outright because of the delivery style, you would do well by reading the lyrics along to the album because they're really strong, interesting lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, my, again, negatives for this album—they're kind of few and far between for me because I'm, I'm like really shocked with how much I like this and. I just feel like maybe a couple of the songs maybe go on a little bit too long, and I feel like I've heard this kind of thing before, even from the Deftones themselves. Um, but, you know, who am I? Who am I to say such things? I'm not a musician. But a mere mortal. <laughs> no, but... And for me, the first, the very first um, track, Prayers and Triangles, didn't it didn't register yeah. with me. And I thought the mixing was really odd, how they... I think they were kind of... It was very experimental in nature, but... Didn't quite, and that's the thing, if you take that out of the equation and that creates like a really short album, I think it's like 10 songs, but that that didn't that didn't quite register for me. It didn't work, I should well, see, say. And I, and I like that song, but I do agree that it kind of, it stands out a little bit in its style. It's way more straightforward than a lot of the other songs on here. It's more yeah. of a guitar riff, rock and roll type thing. Man, that's, that's such a shallow way to describe this album. But no, I totally agree with you. It's a little bit more of a simple track and for his like even this the second song in here acid hologram it just instantly in the first five seconds of the song just like punches you in the face with this wall of sound and one thing i just love on all the and i'm getting getting off track here but just one of the, i love how they they just sneak melodies in these songs yeah. how they and he the way he sings how he'll draw words out real long and kind of slur words together it's like a, a melody that's that takes forever to get through, but it's just enticing. 
I just I really like this album. Yeah, and <laughs> I like how they throw they throw a lot at you in the album, but it's it's done in such a beautiful manner. It's like you said, they sneak in melodies. The you know the different effects are kind of mixed in, and again, the vocals are from I. This really did it for me. So, what would you rate this though? One to ten. Well, I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten. Nice. I, I have very again very little complaints. I'm happy to say that I'm you know I'm really gonna dive back into Deftones because their last three or four I've I've listened to but I've neglected a little bit and. I'm not sure exactly why, because I've heard a couple of diehard fans say this was a step down from their previous album, so I really want to go back and listen to that. Uh, so 9 out of 10 for me, I like it a lot. How about you? I had an 8.8, so very close to you. I think it, it was a really good album. I think it did a lot of things in the right way. Again, the first track I didn't like, but again, I compared, and I've, I've listened to their previous stuff. I, I'd personally, and again, I'm not a hardcore Deftones fan, I would disagree. I'd say this is a bit of a step up for him. Just a slight one. Kind of a slight up up, up peak for him. Taking on the man? Got to. Doing it, man. I was knocking Christopher Reeves a few weeks Spartacus. back. Spartacus. Now I'm going to take on these Deftones. No, I think yeah, I would never. But I, I oh, think that's this right. Was, uh, you were all like, Christopher Reeves sucks. No, I, I said that. I thought that Henry Cavill had a little bit more okay, emotion. Okay, we're not going to talk about Batman versus Superman anymore, damn it. Christopher Reeves, but no, good album. I liked it a oh, lot. It's great. I'm going to listen to it again on my drive home. Yes, indeed. And I'm going to listen to I listened to um, the Def, Deftones gore and then uh, Glenn Campbell oh. literally right afterwards. I like, I like Glenn Campbell, sure. old school. You should listen to their uh, the Deftones self-titled album. Like To me, that's still... They're like of all the ones I've really listened to a lot of, it's my favorite of theirs. I would put that above this one. But this does add that more experimental edge to it that I don't really know that they've had so much before. Yeah. And I think to kind of segue back a little bit, I was reading too about how there was so much discourse between the band members, but that they didn't. What I thought, thought was interesting was that none of them really said it in a negative way. They were like, we all had creative differences, but we let that become its own thing and that's so inspiring because a lot of times you see bands just dissolve and make a crummy album when they're fighting with each other but with this they were like we have different ideas how can we make them one coherent idea and i think they nailed it yeah i think i mean that again they said they had, it was like their most difficult recording that can mean a lot of a lot of things but again to, for that to happen and to have this good of a product i mean phenomenal yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. So I was saying before in the opening sequence, and I just a brief discussion here, is that obviously American Idol is done mm-hmm. after this season. It's fifteenth season, and it's produced some some big big names in the music industry like Kelly Clarkson and uh, Carrie Underwood, uh, but names like uh, Ruben Studdard, Fantasia Barino, Taylor Hicks. Um, not so much Jordan Sparks. She's had some some songs. David Cook, Chris Allen. I mean, there's been a lot of no name. Is there a name on here? Am I reading this right? Philip Phillips. That's correct. Continue. Some, Continue, some, Nate. Some minor radio <laughs> hits, but I think there's something to be said about the difference between a American Idol winner and a band from nowhere. And I think no matter what, a majority of people are probably going to root for. The self-made band. I think that's there's. I think there's a core. I'm just saying. I think there's a correlation between why. Well, American right. Idol. Ne- the winners never really caught on. And that's the thing that I've always kind of 
questioned with American Idol was why so few of these people ever actually became these big deals. I mean, of course, we've. Had, I think the big two are Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood, without question. But we've seen people who have lost in American Idol become more popular. I mean, I think it was Jennifer Hudson who lost pretty early. Yeah. And she was an Oscar winner within two years yeah. of losing that. We've, we saw... Oh man, I don't. Clay Aiken. I know he was an early on guy who, you know, granted, he's not, you know, he's not exactly lighting up the charts or anything. He's been a presence for a while. Uh, Daughtry too was a guy who lost, who had made a name for himself for a while. And uh, you know, I've never watched really. I've seen American Idol from time to time, so I can't comment on it. But I've always just kind of questioned: Is this really giving us like these great musicians? They put all this time into critiquing this and that and this and that. But at the end of the day, we have two people out of fifteen seasons who have done anything. Yeah, let's be real here. Yeah. <laughs> I think that we, we talked a while back about the best new artist at the Grammys and how that kind of correlates to fame. And I think they have a better. Yeah. Well, and, and even with that, I, th- I think, though, just to kind of step away from me being very cynical and get off my lawn type old guy over here, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the, the main draw of American Idol was sort of the contest of it, right? It wasn't necessarily seeing who won, it was a lot of fun for fans rooting for their favorites week to week, seeing how the votes come in, seeing how people reacted, following these people outside of the show and and how they've evolved on social media and who they were. I think that was really what drove the show. Not necessarily the where it's one of those things where the the, the destination isn't the the really the most important thing here. So I understand why it was around for so long, but Yeah. I mean it had a for a TV show it had a phenomenal run. 15, yeah, and how many knockoffs yeah. are there on right now? And that's and that's another thing too is they created that yeah that area. But we didn't get a chance to. I don't think in our or it happened right after our um, last episode. Mm-hmm. But major R.I.P. in the the world of country. Uh, Merle Haggard passed away uh, from pneumonia. He was seventy nine years old. Um, he died on his birthday, which was also birthday. my birthday. And he, yeah, and he predicted it. Yeah, he said like a week before to his son or something that I will die on my birthday and yeah. blam. It's creepy, man. Creepy how that, yeah. But he... The dude was a legend. Straight he was, up. <laughs> and he, his stats are, are impressive. Like Johnny Cash level country legend, yep. for real. 38 number one hits to his name, countless awards. And I think a, a slight honor is that the Grateful Dead covered him a total of 335 times in live performances. Mama tried. Yep. And yeah, I, I grew I grew up somewhat listening to Merle Haggard. He's always been a, a hero of mine. He did make uh, make this podcast. I think it was the Chris Stapleton. We talked about album. Merle before. He, I, I briefly at one point mentioned Merle Haggard, but he he was a legend. And will be missed, sorely yeah. missed. It's a bummer, and I always feel just totally irrational connections to celebrities who share my birthday. Paul Rudd is another one, Zach Braff, Merle Haggard, Billy Dew uh, Williams. So, you know, a, a, a fellow April 6th fallen. April 6th, the end. Yeah. Down. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody famous that's born. Merle Haggard for all for everybody. If you have Spotify or Apple Music, check him out. The majority of his music is on there to listen to, and there's you can just pick, throw a rock, and hit a Merle Reg, uh, Haggard album. If you're at all into old school country music, you're gonna love everything you yeah. hear. <laughs> and even if you're not, you may discover that you enjoy he's, that type. He's of music. just kind, he's the kind of guy who his, some of his songs have become 
bigger than the man himself. Like some of the songs are just so famous that people would be like, "Oh, Merle Haggard." Okay, I yeah, guess I did. He wrote really. that, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Sad, but um, yeah, and I think too, what impressed me about him is that he was kind of willing when you know this crap country was popular in the '90s. He came out and said, "This is this is nothing. You know, this isn't this isn't what I I grew up making." and People thought he was a crazy old guy, but I think he had a point because it came right back around. And he's really, he he had a comeback just in the last like five or six years and he released a couple of albums that were really well received and everything. So he's always had a presence. He's never really retreated into the, you know, the back, back of the room. He's always been one of those guys who uh, in the country genre has been one, he's one of the idols, you know, he's one of the people who will always be talked about and remembered. So that's commendable. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, R.I.P. Buddy. But on to obsessions. Ethan, what are you obsessed about? How would you go first? Me go first. (laughs) I was just thinking, like, crap, I have to think of an obsession because I forgot to write something down, and I want to be genuine. I think I kind of gave mine away. I've been a little bit obsessed with... with Merle Haggard, and it was kind of an, or not, oh, my God, not Merle Haggard. I was like, oh, okay. Glenn Campbell, because Rhinestone Cowboy is in randomly in one of my longer playlists because I have these like 300 song playlists and it just came on and I was like, oh, I got to listen. And that's the thing. I was like, I got to listen to one of his albums. What, what can I possibly listen to? Is that weird? So that doesn't just happen to me where you'll hear a song you haven't heard in a while or you'll hear a song from a group you haven't heard in a while and you're just like, holy crap, I need to go listen to everything from them because you forget how much you love them. I love when that happens. Yeah, and it was it was totally a, a random one off and I listened to um ooh Carolina Lion what's it again? His album. But I listened to the album front to back. I stayed up till the wee hours just listening to it. It's very relaxing for me. Nice. So but yeah. Well I think for me my obsession would be thinking about it here. I've really been uh focusing on untapped and stuff and just in the last week or so I've been in the lucky spot where I went out to eat at a couple different places and my birthday was last week so some of my good friends were gracious enough to bring me different types of beer thank you Nate you're welcome happy birthday so I've been able to try a lot of different um uh, beers and stuff especially the pineapple sculpin which I've been real anxious to get my hands on uh so that's really good I've been happy about that I had a couple of good beers at a restaurant in Grafton Wisconsin which is outside of Milwaukee uh, at a at a restaurant there, and I've really been I'm working towards that 500 unique beers total. Which, if you don't know, I think we've talked about it before. If you don't know the app Untapped, it's Foursquare for beer drinkers, and I'm approaching 500 unique beers, and I'm pretty jacked about it. Which I actually um, just recently I was talking to somebody, and I my un, my Untapped number I think is like 288 or 290 now, and people were are just blown away by that. But it's it's oh so God. cool that, you know, you can you've tried five hundred different beers. I know it's crazy to me. It's crazy and I'm to the point now where if I'm at a place and there's a beer I don't think I've had, I have to look. Cause it's happened to me like ten times in the last three or four months where I've had a beer that I'm like, all right, a new beer and then I go to check in and it's like you had this two thousand twelve or something. I'm yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. So yeah, it's a really cool app and I've been I've really been hitting the numbers, and I really like to go to if you have a grocery store that does like a pick six type thing, which uh, a chain around us has where you can get an empty six pack and you pick different beers, and that's a good way to get those numbers up, you know, 
without drinking beer like all day every day, which I don't do. Yeah, <laughs> which well, maybe it sounds like I do. Based the, on pot, those the pot, of, the untapped pot of gold, yeah. uh, as I call it, is is beer fests. Those are like if you want to get a good solid 40, 50 hits in a day, you can do that. And I meant to tell you this that I, I might actually be going to the Great American Beer Festival in two thousand seventeen. Oh my god! I might get to go to that. It's in the very, 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 very early planning stages, but I might be going to Denver, and I believe that's September or October when that happens, and that's on our to-do list if we go there then. <laughs> yep, because that's, and that's another, those are exceptional, that's probably the pinnacle of yeah. how many, you know, different beers you can try, but yeah, you can get, I think I got 38 was my record at the Beloit. Hopefully they didn't um, give you... Too much. I mean, no, that was a very official one. The the one in Beloit, I think it's the uh, Great Lakes. It's like a one to three ounce thing. Probably. Yeah, and it's well, no, it's a three ounce thing, and they're really strict. That's good about that. Whereas well, cause you went to the one from my hometown, Chilton, where oh, it's yeah. just a free for all. And I was in Ooh. I was in real rough shape, and I went to the <laughs> Oso um, Brewing Stand, and it was actually a guy from the the Tap House. Who I don't think he recognized me, but I was like, I've been to your tap house. I love your beer. He's like, awesome, man. Here you go. And he gave me like a full double IPA. And, I, and after that, it was just game I went over. to that once, and it was right after I turned 21, and I will never go back. <laughs> it was so bad. Well, it's totally, it's there's no regulation in terms of normally, and the Great well, American Beer Fest, it's like one ounce. They start, I remember it was real loose. They were like, well, we're only going to fill like a quarter of the way. But after about an hour... I mean, all that's out the window. Mm-hmm. You get there, they give you like a what a, a twelve ounce mug, and they just say go, go to town. There's music playing. There's polka bands. There's you're in a barn, but in the fairgrounds, and there's beer getting thrown at your face. You gotta, Money you know. in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good time. But yeah, this has been the graphic episode. It wasn't graphic though. No, we talked about an album named Gore though. That's pretty. Graphic. That's pretty graphic. I don't yeah. think we swore. I don't remember Shit. swearing. Shit and fuck. There we go. There's three of them. <laughs> no, but it's been fun. Again, check us out on, on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere, Instagram, Instagram. At Weekly Neurosis. We've getting, been getting, I don't know if people listening are following, but we've been getting some, you know, followers. I, I, I especially have fun with Instagram, where much like Twitter, I'm kind of forgetting to switch between my accounts, so there's a real kind of line blurring going on between Ethan's personal accounts and the weekly neurosis accounts, which might be fun to some of you, but Yeah. But check us out. Yeah, buddy. I We're took out a good there. took a good picture before of tonight. That'll be on Instagram shortly. Of the studio. Still looking at the old mic. Don't know what's gonna happen to it. That'll be our backup. That's the backup. Gotta figure out where to store it. Looks good there. Yeah. Just a reminder. <laughs> reminder of where we were. 18, but anyhow, 18 episodes ago. Yeah, a long, long, long ago. Mm-hmm. In a galaxy. Far. Far, far away. Far away. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been fun, everybody. Once again, this is Weekly Neurosis. I'm Nate. And I'm Ethan. And please, everyone, take care.